Um, so I might be able to say, well, God's big. He's like the mountains. But then I'll be thinking, but God's so much bigger than the mountains. This becomes a bit of an in, in, incomparable thing to be able to compare him to. Or I could say, well, God's bright like the sun. But I'll be thinking, this in itself is limiting God because actually he's so much brighter than the sun. All of these realities, the reality of what God is really like falls short of some of these comparisons. So then we start to think, how can we compare God to anyone or anything? Because all of these comparisons are starting to fall short of what he's actually like. And in the end, we just end up limiting God by trying to say, well, God's a little bit like this or a little bit like that. And so when we read the Bible, and when we start to read through the Bible, you'll notice that the Bible uses loads of different illustrations of God because it says, if you just take this one on its own, this will in some way limit God. But let me say God's a bit like this, and then he's also a bit like this, and then he's also a bit like that, and like this, and like that, and like this, and like that. And the Bible is full of images of what God is like. So there's one that I picked. Um, When it tries to talk about God, it compares God to different animals. And I'm thinking, the first one that I read is, God's like a lion. I think, okay, I understand. He's strong and he's mighty and he's powerful. And then I'm thinking, but hang on a minute. There's another character to God that the lion misses out on. So in the Bible also says, well, God's like a lamb. And then I think, okay, well, God's innocent and he's pure. And there's a difference there, but yet they're both the character of God. And then they go on and they talk about God being like a dove and God being like an eagle and God being like a leopard and God being like a bear and God being like an ox and God being like a man. Because the thing is, is that the Bible realizes and the people that are writing the Bible are saying, if I just try and take one image of God, this in and of itself will limit him. So instead, what I will do is I will look at each of their own emphasis and their character and say all of these are true of God in some way. And they can all be held together because actually if I take one on its own, I'm ignoring huge aspects of who God is. And this is exactly the reason behind the verse that we're going to read in a minute together in Isaiah today. Because Isaiah was speaking to his people at a time... So he's speaking to him and he's actually saying, in the future, something is going to come about where you're going to be in exile, you're going to be in a foreign land, you're going to be away from what you know and experience now in this place called Babylon. They're going to have been taken away and they would have been there under foreign rule. They would have been a land that was full of many gods at that time. So they would have all had these different gods and idols and things that they would have worshipped and they would have had masters that were there that they would have been serving And it would have been so tempting for the people of God to start believing, well, God's a little bit like their God. Or God's a little bit like this God that I'm experiencing here. And just thinking that God's like everything else that we experience around us. Oh, he's just like that. Or he's just like this. And Isaiah is saying to him, no, I don't want you just to think of God as this one-dimensional, just like all these other gods that are around us. All these other things that so easily we can think, well, God's just a little bit like that. He wants to say God is in a league of his own. God is completely different. God is bigger than anything you can imagine. God is so different from these experiences. Don't limit God by the experiences that you have around you. Don't limit him by your small little descriptions or by the things that you see and the small gods that you see around you in this foreign land that you're going to find yourself in. He wants to say to him, lift your eyes up. See who God is. Just let me try and give you these little captures of what our God is like to remind you This is the God that we worship. This is the God that we trust. This is the God that is for us and not against us. He wants to remind them of who he is. And actually, that's exactly what I want to do today. When we read, I want to say, I want to remind you of who God is, what God is like, 
what the God that you believe in and have put your faith in if you're a Christian today, what he's able to do because of who he is. And so we're going to read this together. We're going to read through Isaiah 40, verses 12 up to 28. And fortunately for Isaiah, Isaiah didn't write it in a room like this because I was kind of thinking, if I start reading you out some of the descriptions that Isaiah tries to compare God to, um, then, and I was sat in this room, I'd be thinking, God's a little bit like a plasma telly, or he's a little bit like a speak. I don't know, like, the experience in this room, I'll be honest, isn't the greatest way of comparing God to, I don't know, is it, it's not even laminate floor, it's like wood flooring that's there. He takes creation as his object. So he starts saying, God is like these aspects of creation. Look at creation around us. This would be so much easier if I could get you all up and go walk you over and we could look at, at it's not, what head is it? Seaford head. If we could look at Seaford head and the seven sisters. Actually, then I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, ah, I can see a bit of God in that. A bit of God in this room. I don't know. Maybe some of you might find inspiration in here, but I'd struggle. Um, and so while I read out the verses that we're going to look at today, just on the screen, it's just a video that I found really easy, just because I don't want you to be thinking about the things that are in this room. Instead, just look at some of the images. It's a video called The Mountain. This is a guy who, who climbed a mountain in Spain on the peninsula and basically just started to, you know, like slow motion capture just the clouds and the mountains and the trees and the stars as they come out. And so as I start to read some of these, we're just going to play this video. You can play a little bit of music in there as well. There's a bit of background music on it, which is absolutely fine. But just listen to the words that Isaiah's here and see some of the images that are going on there and start to just grasp a little bit of this God that we're talking about today. So I'm going to read it quite slowly just because I want each one to kind of Kind of sit with us. So Isaiah says this, and he's saying it to the people of God at the time, but it's also true for us today as well. So it says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? That small little bit in the middle of his hand. God has measured the waters in there. But that's not it. He's marked off the heavens with his span. The span of his hand has marked the heavens. He's enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure. And weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord's, or that man shows him counsel? Whom did God consult? Who made God understand? Who taught God the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed God the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. They are counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, God takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God's? Or what likeness will you compare him with? Are you going to compare God to an idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and casts it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is God who sits above the circle of the earth. The earth's inhabitants, we're like grasshoppers. 
Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain? Who spreads them like a tent to dwell in? Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out the stars by number, who calls them by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one star is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by the gods, by God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint, he does not grow weary, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall feel exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God, I want to thank you that that is the picture that Isaiah paints to me today. That is not just true of the people of God that found themselves in Babylon. God, you are the mighty God. You created all that I see around me. God, for you, the mountains, they just fit into the palm of your hand, Lord God. Lord, you can measure the heavens in the span of your hands. God, you call out the stars in the sky by name. Not a single is missing. God, you are completely in control and all-powerful. God, that is a powerful image that Isaiah paints and paints to the people of God and so therefore paints to me today. God, as we're sitting here in a school hall in Seaford, God, let us know this God. I thank you that you come and meet with us today. Spirit of God, I thank you that you are with us. Spirit of God, I thank you that you care for us and love us. Thank you, God, that I can't compare you to anything. God, the nations are nothing to you. God, I'm like a grasshopper in your presence, and yet you love me, and you accept me, and you care for me. Spirit of God, I pray you minister to us now. Let this be more than just words on a page. Spirit of God, work in our hearts, I pray. Amen. See, what Isaiah is trying to do is he's trying to give people a perspective of God. It's so easy to get our perspectives messed up and to just get caught up. So for them, they were going to end up in Babylon and they would have thought, well, this is it. This is the perspective I find myself in. So God fits into the perspective that I've got. For you today, you might be sick and you might think, well, God fits into my sickness and my suffering that I'm going through. You might be searching for work. You might be thinking, well, God fits into that somehow. I would say, actually, no, God gives you a perspective for all of these situations. Wherever you find yourself in, when you grab hold of verses like that, you think, this is a true perspective. 
This puts everything I'm experiencing and going through into the correct place and light that it should be. And in doing that, it causes strength to rise up in me. I'm going to set a challenge now. Ah, oh, she's gone. I wanted little mini Polly because I think she's the shortest person here. I just want to say to you, I'm going to set you a challenge now as a church. I'm going to get someone in this room to say that I am the tallest person in this room. And I'm going to guarantee you that's going to be the case. Who's the second shortest after Polly, do we think? Come on, Seaford, nominate your shortest person. This isn't cruel, it's facts. Ruth? Okay, come then, Ruth. You're up. Now, Seaford, you can nominate your Goliath. Who is your tallest person? Who? Tom? All right, all right you decide. I'm not, you pick. Come on, send someone forwards. Colin, oh, they've said, oh, there's, there's a shout from here. Okay, we'll take Colin. Here we go. Right, if you could just stand here for a second for me. Colin, if you could just stand on the other side of the room. Okay, now, just in terms of a sense of perspective, standing this way, looking at Colin, who's taller, me or Colin? Who's taller, me or Colin? <laughs> Who's taller? You have to be honest. I'm taller. Say it nice and loud. You are I am taller than Colin. You've heard it said. Someone from your own congregation has just proved to you the point that I am the tallest person. You've nominated Colin as the tallest person here, and I am, in fact, taller. That's because the perspective that is being seen here is I am standing here. Now, let's be honest with the whole situation. Who is taller, me or Colin? Colin is much taller because actually what's happened is perspective has changed. All of a sudden, instead of experiencing this here and thinking, but this is the situation I found myself in, and it's right there in my face, and the letters just come through the door, or the person's just revealed this truth to me, or this is what I'm worried about. That's the perspective we see, and therefore we forget where God fits into this. Well, <laughs> yeah, you take that, own that. Um, but instead, instead, what Isaiah's trying to do is Isaiah's saying, don't take that perspective, take this perspective. Push the situation, push Babylon and all that you've found and all these foreign gods that you're experiencing into light of the true and living gods and all those truths that we've read through in Isaiah together today. And all of a sudden, reality fits into place. All of a sudden, I realize that because my perspective has changed, because I've taken time to see what God is really like and the character of him is really like, these things seem... Now, we're pretty close, actually. Yeah. Um, but... You start to see there is a marked difference between the things that I'm experiencing and the reality of who God really is and what God is able to do. Does that make sense? Yeah? Okay, let's give him, thank you very much. Thanks for coming up. Sorry for... Um, you see, a correct perspective of situations against this God that we're speaking about, that's why it's good to wake up in the morning and to read the Bible. That's why it's good to read, to, to read truth of who God is, to have a quiet time in the morning. Because what I'm doing is in doing that, I'm pushing my perspective. England lost to Italy last night. I can't believe it. It's just, oh, what am I going to do with my life? I just can't. I don't know how I'm going to go on. And then I wake up and I read Isaiah 40 and I go, let's push that into perspective. Let's be honest. This is every four years a different person wins it. What's been will be again. It doesn't matter. I push it into perspective. Now, that's trivial. For some of you today, you might be thinking, hang on a minute, I wake up in the morning and I'm in agony every morning when I wake up. And I just, I hate it. And I think, how's God in this? Where's God in that? 
And then I say, read the truth of who God is. Listen to the words of Isaiah and then push that into the perspective of the true and living God. The one who's able to do immeasurably more than I ask and imagine. The one who is in control of all things. The one who started the whole of the earth and everything in it with a word, with, with one spoken word. The one who's going to be there right at the very end. And then I read those truths and what I'm doing is I'm gaining the perspective. That's why it's so important to gather together as church and to sing and to pray and to worship one another. Worship one another? Worship with one another. You might worship one another, I don't know. Um, But in doing that, what we're doing is we're saying, God, we're acknowledging you. We're getting a correct perspective in this. Sometimes when you're struggling, it's why it's so good to speak and get wise counsel from others. Say, can you just remind me of the true perspective of this? Speak truths to me, please. I need to hear it. Because I need to remember really what God is like. This is why Isaiah is so bold and so adamant that he wants the people of God to hear this. And this is it. This is the juicy part. So it got towards the end of that verse there. And he starts reading it and think, okay, I could grasp a little bit of the vastness and greatness of God's how he is so much bigger than anything else I could imagine. But what does that really mean to me? Well, yes, it gives me a sense of perspective because this incomparable God who is much bigger than I could ever imagine is true. But then the, the bit that is just the absolute crux of it comes at the end where it says, 28 to 31, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and grow weary. Young men shall feel exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's the reality of the situation. Not just for the people of God that Isaiah is speaking to, But because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that is true for us today as well. That in doing that, in gaining a perspective of who God is, it renews my strength. It says to me, I can keep going. I can persevere. I can keep running the race. Paul talks about it all the time, doesn't he? He says life is a race. Life is something that we have to persevere in. You notice last, well, I didn't get to watch it, but you notice, thanks, Jez, but you notice last night, in the humidity and the heat, they faded. They got tired. They're running. These are young, fit men, and they're tired. And actually, life does that to us. We run through life, and we think, I'm tired, and I'm weary, and I'm feeling faint, and I feel like, ah, oh, so I just have to keep going. And then I grab this perspective, and I look at the eternal God, and I say, that has renewed my strength. It's like the marathon runner, and as he runs past the drink station, grabs a drink and has a drink or a jelly baby or whatever it is, and it renews his strength. And he says, the power of God is now at work in me, and it causes me to keep running. It causes me to lift my eyes up, to not be focused on the weariness and the, the, the effort that it takes to keep going. And instead it says, no, I look to God, and he renews my strength. See, this is true for us today. God was in control, and he ruled Even when they were in Babylon, even when they were under foreign rule, God was still their God. God was still in control. And do you know what? He's still ruling today. He still sits in all authority. And he looks over the earth and he is in complete control of all things. So whatever situation you find yourself in, see the truth and hear the truth today. God can renew your strength in that situation. See, the amazing thing is, Isaiah is speaking before the cross. 
I get an even clearer perspective today. Isaiah is using creation and the stars and the mountains and the seas to communicate to them. I can say to you, look to Jesus. Allow him to renew your strength. They were looking forward to the Messiah to come. I now can look back and I can say, look at him. Look at him who is able to defeat sin and death on the cross. The one who now rules in all life. The one who's victorious. I look to him and that renews my strength. I get an even bigger perspective today because of where we sit. The other side of the resurrection. That in and of itself causes me to renew my strength. I'm thinking, that's where my hope lies. My hope lies in the all-conquering, all-saving God who has destroyed death. For them, Babylon was a big enemy. They would have, been, they would have thought, what bigger enemy could there be? I tell you, death is the biggest enemy, isn't it? It's the enemy that gets us all. It's the enemy that we're all scared of and we're all fearful of. And we worship a God who has destroyed even that enemy. Not even just Babylon. Not even just some of these other foreign gods that we thought about. He has destroyed death. Where's your sting? What have I got to be afraid of anymore? I've got no more fear. Therefore, it renews my strength. causes me to rise up with wings like eagles. It starts me to think I can soar because now I'm empowered by the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is now at work in me and living in me. My life is renewed and transformed. And this isn't a self-help gospel where I beat myself and say, come on, like Americans do. Come on, we can do it. Ameri- I'm sorry if there's any Americans here stereotypical maybe but they do they just and they you see how they just psych themselves up and they'd think I'm getting faint I'm weary I'm just gonna I'm gonna g myself up instead I rely upon the spirit of the God uh, the spirit of the Lord and he renews my strengths I'm gonna invite the band up and what we're gonna do is I actually I don't really want a mellow quiet response instead I want as we sing, we're going to sing a song that we started at the beginning and just gain that perspective of God. So we're going to sing together, indescribable, incomparable, and start to think, this is the God that we worship and that we adore and that we know and who loves us. And actually allow that today to renew our strength. You might want to pray with one another today as well while we're worshipping. You might think, actually, I know that I need to feel my strength being renewed. Pray with the person next to you during our time of worship. So I say, can God, just give me a sense of perspective of who you are and what you've done. See, because it's here that we find our strength. We don't find strength in our own abilities to cope or persevere. Very British mentality that we say, I can keep going, I'll stiff up a lip and I'll keep going and I'll get through this and I'm good at persevering and I'll just, I'll keep going and it'll be okay. Actually, that's not where we find our strength. We find strength in understanding of who God is, where our hope lies. Because when we know who God is, what he's done, that he is the all-conquering, all-reigning God who gives us life and gives us life to the full, there I find strength. I find strength to keep going. I find strength to keep running the race. That would be my prayer for us as a church today.